When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the Nobody goes this far with coverage of yesterday's games. We came in for a mission. The ride has blanketed the NFL with many hills, four deep thoughts. And the coverage is now four deep. Four deep thoughts. Yes, the Golden Globes have three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, winning all the prizes. We have four deep thoughts from Manny Hill winning all the NFL coverage prizes. Yes, What sir. do you have, sir? All right. Here is a Deep from Thought. From the weekend. We didn't restrict <laughs> it to Sunday. Correct. Okay. Uh, here is Deep Thought number one. 30 all ticks right. remaining. He takes a knee. The Kansas City Chiefs still haven't won a home playoff game 24 <laughs> years later, <laughs> and they the won't win one today. The Tennessee Titans win the second half 19 to nothing and shock this crowd at Arrowhead. I I can't I cannot wrap my head around this guys. No. 24 years without winning a home playoff game. Oh, and, and it's six, not like right? they yeah, and it's yeah, it's not like they haven't had opportunities. Like it, well, they, I can't they'll never have it. a they'll never have a bigger opportunity than playing the Tennessee Titans at yeah, home. Yeah, who was missing who whose starting quarterback had kind of regressed this year yes. from previous years. They didn't have one of their two running backs, DeMarco Murray was out. And I I, I just it, you're up 21 to 3 at the half. How does that uh, happen? I don't know, but it isn't good for Andy. Hey, by the way, uh that fumble that uh, Derek Johnson picked up and ran in, obviously down or not? Oh yes, he was t- he was totally he was down. down. Derrick Henry okay. was totally down. Yes. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, so they, they didn't. I hear the referee was a, just a complete there, cluster. Though. Yeah, there was some really Jeff, bad calls. It was Jeff Triplett, right? His last ever game. I think so. I think it was Wasn't Jeff Triplett. Yeah, it was Triplett. He's an idiot. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's I. I don't know. I I went to a movie at halftime, knowing Kansas City had won, and I was uh, shocked when I came out to see that it, they had lost. It did show you how much they, uh, Travis Kelsey is their offense, though, because once yeah. he got once, once he, he was down, knocked out of the everything. game, yeah, it, it absolutely changed everything. I, I will say this, I and I told this to Reavers earlier earlier today, Pat. Typically on the on the AFC side, I don't really have a rooting interest, or you know, because it's just kind of whatever. It's the other conference, but the moment the Titans made it twenty-one to sixteen. 
Yeah. I started I started rooting for the Titans to win the game because this this if if you're a Chiefs fan, obviously this has to be driving you crazy. But if you're for for the sake of coming into work today, this is great content. The fact that the Chiefs continue to lose home playoff oh, games is man. it's unbelievable. That is as good a universal boo as I've ever heard from yeah. a home home crowd that is right pretty there. Good. Wow. And Andy was going to be the coach of the year uh, six weeks into the season. And now he just lost his offensive coordinator. Didn't he get hired he by did, the Bears? Yeah, he's yeah. Probably, I'm guessing they're probably, well, they're probably done with Alex Smith because he's up for free agency. Yep. And oh, did, did the, the Bears name the KC guy? Yeah, Na- Nagy. Nagel, Nagy. Matt, Matt Nagy. Nagy. Yeah, so yeah. we get to keep uh, Pat Shermer at least for one more day. That's right. Okay. That right. is correct. All right, here is thought number two. No question. Cooper touched the ball, but then there was a state of confusion out there as the other players were a little confused. Do we grab it? Do we not? We're not sure. Countess didn't know exactly what to do. And ultimately, that cost the Rams the football. And that is a huge play for the Atlanta Falcons. Farrell Cooper from the nine-yard line to run it back. Spins away. And if Lawrence loses the ball, and Atlanta may have come up with it at the 32-yard line. KZ was the guy who hit him. And it's going to be Atlanta's ball. I, you know, I'm I'm wondering if just this. I usually don't buy into this theory, but I wonder if that if the playoff stage was just too big for the Rams. Yeah. On Saturday, it, I, it just, I thought the same thing. They played terrible. Yeah, you just look at how Atlanta got off to that 13 to nothing lead early, and you just the Rams just looked like a team that was like the lights were just too bright for them. And, and Atlanta looked like a team that had been through playoff runs in the past. I mean, it, it, the, the Rams, because the Rams are the more talented team, right? I mean, in terms of just all around, all around talent. But they the, got Aaron Donald. Yeah, <laughs> and and you could see. I mean, he he looked like he was ready to play early in the game. But yes. the Rams as a as a whole just looked. You know, Goff was kind of missing guys, and Gurley had a couple drops on dump offs, and it just they just did not look. Look very comfortable out there. Uh, how about the quote from owner Stan Kroenke? Uh-oh. We just don't have a good home field advantage at the L.A. Coliseum. Oh, my they, God. they went four and five there. You're at home kidding this year. me. They went four yeah. and five, including the playoff yeah. game. Okay, maybe you should have stayed in St. Louis, pal. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. All right, here is thought number three. Here's Taylor, first down throw. Ball batted in the air, and it is plucked out of the air. It looked like by Colvin. And it is. It's an interception for the Jaguars. Peterman from the gun. Here we go. Pass. Tip. And intercepted by Ramsey to close it out. Jaguars are heading to Pittsburgh. Okay, if there was one <laughs> if there was one thing about that game that was good, or that was at least enjoyable to watch, it was how fast, and Reavers, you alluded to it earlier, mm. just how fast and good that Jacksonville defense is. They are all over the place. I have never seen a team that goes sideline to sideline like those guys do. They cover so much freaking ground. It's amazing. I was ready. After he completed his first one, I was ready to declare Nathan Peterman the quarterback of the game. (laughs) (laughs) He was, uh, but then he threw the interception. Uh, uh, That was a heck of a play by Ramsey, too. By the way, yes, it was. But uh, what quarterbacking? My God, it was was awful. awful. And not only that, that was the worst part of the game. But the and I forget what his name is. The offensive coordinator for Buffalo, yeah, who made the decision 
uh, around the two-minute warning, first and goal from the one, and you're going to drop Tyrod Taylor back two straight times that ended in an incomplete pass and then a sack. You're a moron, and you should lose well, your the, job. The first the first play call on first and goal was a first fade. Of all, first of all, they yes. got a gift because Jacksonville jumped off sides yes. on the field goal yes. attempt, which gave them a first down. So new life, a chance to get a touchdown again. Run the and ball, you moron. Yeah, he throws a, he calls a fade route to Calvin Benjamin. Oh, God. And then Benjamin, like an idiot, pushes off. So that backs them up <laughs> ten yards, and, I then just, they, and then they're forced into a position I where they have to. Throw couldn't the ball. believe the play. I, I I just was in shock. Like, is this guy that stupid? But the good news is, it means Buffalo has not advanced. <laughs> that is true. That is true. All right, here is thought number four. On second down, pass is caught. That is McCaffrey, and in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. A dome silencer from Cam Newton to Christian McCaffrey. And it's a game again, 56 yards for the touchdown. Blitz, a sack, Saints win. Vaughn Bell got home. The Saints are gonna move on for a date with the Vikings. Bless the Panthers and Saints for redeeming us on Sunday for actually, after that slop that we saw in Jacksonville, for the Panthers and Saints to give us that great theater yeah, in that second game. game last yep. night was just fantastic. Just the it, when it looked like the Saints were, you know, had this thing in the bag, thirty-one to nineteen. Then McCaffrey gets the long touchdown, and and then the Panthers get the ball back, which I did not understand why the Saints on fourth and two. First of all, why they're going for it? I didn't understand didn't, that either. Yeah, instead of punting, does, just made he no does sense. Some goofy stuff. It's like. I th- it would to me it was like Peyton thinking, okay, I look like an idiot thinking I could make him go off sides here and everybody's laughing at me, so I'm going to go for it anyway. You know, something like that. It was yeah. ridiculous. And then the, I, I can't remember who it was that that intercepted the pass, but just knock it down. You cost yourself twenty yards by actually yeah. picking it off. Just knock it down. So, but with that it said, it was a ter- it was a terrific game and. Thank you to the Saints and Panthers for redeeming us for that day after that slop we watched earlier. And um, uh, two teams from the NFC South has, have advanced, and yes. two teams from the mighty AFC South have also advanced. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we'll be back. Uh, Dave McFenneman covers the Cavaliers for ESPN. Cleveland Cavaliers are at Target Center tonight for the third of a five-game road trip and their uh, one and only appearance of the year in Minneapolis. Uh, Dave McMenamin covers the Cavs for ESPN. Uh, Isaiah Thomas back in the lineup. How is that working so far, sir? I would say it's working better than anybody really expected it to this early. Uh, Certainly, the Cavs organization has gotten to know Isaiah Thomas as a person. He has impressed them, um, and they felt like whenever he would fully recover from the foot thing, that he could be the type of player that was regularly putting up 30 points a game for the Celtics the last couple of years. But uh, they didn't think in his first two games back he'd be scoring almost a point per minute. I mean, he's played 40 minutes so far. Uh, he scored 36 points um, and um, some some big buckets as well. I mean, his third quarter in Orlando the other day uh, he goes for 12 points in the quarter four for four shooting the Cavs take a three-point lead at the half and turn it into a 20-point lead heading into the fourth quarter and that was all IT and um, 
they like what they see so far and that they're, you know, just excited about, um, while still being patient, but excited about what he's going to look like when he can be playing 35 minutes a game. Uh, Dave, uh, obviously in 40 minutes or 36 minutes, you can't figure out uh, what you're going to uh, end up looking like as a team. Will the fact that uh, he's there as a point guard being LeBron has to have the ball less in his hands than he uh, does at uh, crunch time, or is it still going to be LeBron when he wants it? Well, I, I think crunch time is to be determined. I don't know why you'd want to take the ball out of the hands yes. of one of the top five players of all time in crunch time, but I, I think the idea is throughout the course of the game, LeBron doesn't have to shoulder so much of a load. And, you know, it, the Cavs had lost four out of five games before Isaiah Thomas came back. In those four losses, LeBron totaled 24 turnovers. So six turnovers a game, about twice what his average is this season. Uh, that was indicative got that one out, um, of just him having to do too much. And so by virtue of having Isaiah Thomas out there, a guy who's very comfortable taking the ball on long distance rebounds, turning into three-on-two, two-on-ones, or in the half court. Um, the Cavs hope to keep LeBron a little fresher and um, not have him maybe forcing things because he doesn't feel like he has another ball handler out on the court with him that he can rely on. Uh, he has been uh, routinely fabulous, though, this season, right, LeBron? I mean, he's, uh, <laughs> he's uh, man alive. The number of minutes he has on that body, it's amazing the way he just keeps going. Yeah, I mean, by some standards, he's playing as well in year 15 as he had at any other point in his career. I mean, you're talking about uh, right around his best mark from three-point range, uh, right there in terms of most assists per game. Uh, It's the most scoring he's been uh, putting up since he left Miami. Um, You know, and just the overall presence that he brings to this Cavs organization can't be understated. And uh, it's going to be interesting come awards time. Now, um, Steph Curry hasn't really been a part of the conversation for MVP this year, but the way he's looked since he returned from injury, if he stays on that type of tear from now until April, uh, he'll certainly wedge his name in there. But, of course, James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and and uh, you know Kevin Durant and LeBron, it seems to be you know it's, it's those guys, and then there's a pretty clear drop off after that. Uh, so, if you would have asked me three years ago, the one guy, I, or three four years ago, the one guy I knew still wouldn't be a Cav was Kevin Love. That's one of the great shocks of my life <laughs> that he's still there, seems to be content in his play, and as putting up big numbers, having a good old time shooting threes again. And uh, it is an amazing uh, thing that we always thought he was the guy who wanted to go back to L.A., big market, blah, blah, blah. Sure. seems content to play with the greatest player in the world. And he's really impressed me just as someone, you know, covering him. I've seen, and I'm, you know, I'm maybe five years older than him, so, you know, to talk about him in this capacity is a little strange, but I really have seen him go from being kind of like a young man to being a man, an adult, and the way he handles adverse situations, um, uh, you know, because they're bound to come up over the course of an 82-game schedule with a team like the Cavs with so much scrutiny, uh, very few things face him at this stage of his career, and uh, he's a professional. He goes out there, he gets his numbers, he's playing efficient basketball. Uh, I think he recognizes, uh, you know, the balance in his life keeps him sane where 
Um, yeah, the Cavs have some bad losses or some bad weeks, but they're bound to be followed by some good wins or some good weeks. And, um, you know, he keeps that kind of focus um, of what matters and brings it to work. And, um, you know, he, he's a valuable member of this Cavs team. You know, LeBron obviously the best player that they have. Um, but in some ways, um, I'm talking about his, his kind of mental approach off the court as well, Kevin might be the most consistent Cavs, and, and that's impressive because he certainly wasn't his first year in Cleveland. Uh, he, you know, he struggled with, with a lot of up and down that year, uh, ups and downs that year. But but he, that's not the same guy he is anymore. And um, you know, he's he's playing some good basketball for them, and for him to be able to absorb a new player like Isaiah Thomas back in the lineup, you know, no one's worried. At least there's no not a storyline in Cleveland of oh, how Kevin's going to deal with that. Is he going to be the third fiddle again? <laughs> um, you know, it, it's just about winning for him at this point, and uh, that's a testament to kind of his maturation. It is an interesting job that you have. That uh, every time uh, LeBron has tweeted for the last five years, it's uh, we, we have to read inside the tweet and who's he, who might he be taking a shot at, and then then we get uh, then we get an hour and a half of discussion on the on the NBA shows about uh, whether LeBron's now mad at Kevin Love again or something. It's uh, it's uh, interesting uh, situation here in there with. Uh, what can be read into what are probably small little incidents a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, I had, I've had Cavs players say, Hey, I mean, he may tweet and, and everybody's going to react to it, but you know, we've also had that same day, you know, a dozen personal interactions at shoot around on the bus at the meal, you know, in the locker room, all that stuff. And, and we take more weight into that than the tweet does. But of course, you know, the general public, they don't see all those interactions, so they only left with that to talk about. But, you know, some of it is LeBron's own doing. Um, he has a social media following. He had up his Instagram and, and his Twitter. Last I checked, it was over 70 million. Um, you know, <laughs> people tuning into Game 7 of the NBA Finals is only 30 million. So, yeah. I mean, he can put out something on social media. More people will see that than see him Boy. at the pinnacle of his craft. And so I think that explains also why there's so much attention around it. And, you know, you know I, Twitter didn't exist when I was getting my journalism degree, so I didn't know how to prepare for it. But, you, you know, you try to, you know, give some sort of context to it if you can, uh, but not go overboard with it because, as I said, you know, there's so much stuff that he does outside of social media that has far more weight um, in terms of uh, developing relationships or, or marring relationships with the guys in his franchise. And, of course, if anybody gets bored with talking about uh, what LeBron might have said on Twitter, they can talk about him going to the Lakers, too, uh, which uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that uh, he wants to get out there and have LeVar Ball shooting his mouth off. That doesn't sound like LeBron's kind of deal to me. Yeah, you never know. I mean, just like, you know, we thought some people uh, thought Kevin was going to be going to L.A. L.A. is always that kind of um, tempting destination, but uh, everything remains to be seen. I mean, LeBron James has, I, I truly believe, has not made up his decision. Why would he at this point? Um, sure. You know, the Cavs might win, win a championship. Yeah. You know, they, they could win it, and he could win it alongside one of his dear friends in life and, and his current teammate, Dwayne Wade, and, and maybe they say, you know what, let's re up and, and let's ride out together in Cleveland and try to, you know, add more. It would be ring number four for both of us. They got it this year. So you just don't know at this point. Now, of course, the Lakers have the young players, they have the cap space, they have the destination-type uh, place to live in uh, going for them. Um, but, 
you know, uh, a lot can happen between now and July. And, and for now, uh, it makes sense that we're going to be talking about this. Everyone's going to be talking about it next month when the All-Star Game's out there and LeBron's yep. going to be facing, you know, hundreds and hundreds of L.A. media. But, but for now, it, it's really just about what the Gavs can do to, to look like a better basketball team because after they reeled off those 18 wins and 19 games, they've been pretty mediocre. And um, I think the new challenge is what can we do to, to have Isaiah Thomas help us and we can help him and we can find a new rhythm with with uh, the new rotation that Isaiah Thomas created. Uh, Dave, thank you. We warmed it up here in Minnesota just for you. So uh, Yeah, it was actually not, not bad at all today. So uh, <laughs> I'll enjoy my walk to the arena. All right, sir. Thanks. Thank you. All right, Dave McMenamin covers uh, the Cavaliers for ESPN. And, yes, the Cavaliers have their own beat writer on ESPN. We shall return. This is The Ride with Ricey. Here is John Height with a sports update. Uh, 5.30 today, we will go to the national championship game, Alabama and Georgia. That's right. Who do you like, John? I like Alabama. I do, too. I, I think they're going to win. Easily. Okay. Well, that's because you and Nick Saban have such a good rapport. You guys are you know, very tight, I know, in the... Uh... Yeah, both raving egomaniacs. So. <laughs> Dang, I couldn't bait him for another Saban tirade. Okay. Maybe tomorrow. This update sponsored by Staples. Staples keeps your ink stocked and your business moving by 1HP Inc. Get the second at 30% off. Ends 113. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Uh, see store for details or staples.com. For details, Staples, it's pro time. Sounds like it. That read wasn't really pro time. Sounds like it's pro time. Not at all. Were you guys all on three weeks vacation? Holy cow. We've been off kilter today. Vikes will face New Orleans. This is that's how powerful the Bills Mafia is. <laughs> One person goes down and it infects the entire studio. Yeah. The Vikes will play uh, face New Orleans in the second round of the NFC playoffs. That game Sunday, three forty at U.S. Bank Stadium. Vikings beat the Saints Week One, twenty nine nineteen. Uh, but after they lost their first two games of the season, the Saints went eleven and three the rest of the way, including reeling off eight straight wins after that two-game losing streak. Johnny, you know that our boys have won eleven of twelve. That's correct. You? That's a pretty yes. good run right there. Hmm? How? When was the last time a number one seed in the playoff was a dog at never. home in their very never, first game? Never happened. Never, never has. Happened. Wow. The NFL did not have a good weekend ratings wise. Really? Titans, Chiefs. Down 11% versus last year's uh, opening round Raiders-Texans game. Falcons-Rams down 10% versus last year's Lions-Seahawks wow. game. Cow. Bills-Jaguars down 10% versus last year's Dolphins-Steelers Should game. have been down 50. <laughs> yeah, that was, oh, that was tough. How about this one? Panther, well, it makes sense given last year's game, but the Panthers-Saints game down 21% what versus, a... versus last year's Giants-Packers game. Oh, no. really? So, wow. Yeah. Uh, we know now that one team will not be hiring Pat Shermer, at least. The Bears named their new coach today. It's Matt Nagy. Uh, Nagy was the quarterback's coach in Kansas City from 2013 to 15 and offensive coordinator the past two years. Uh, Must have been impressed with that second half. <laughs> <laughs> Former Vikings head coach uh, Brad Childress, uh, who's been with Kansas City, will not be taking over as offensive coordinator for Nagy. The NFL Network reporting that Brad is retiring. Really? Yeah. Hmm. In 2016, he was the co-offensive coordinator. I'm just so tired. I need to go home. 
Uh, I just don't have any more uh, left. I'm gonna, I'm done. I'm gonna go home and have a, dr- a vodka the size <laughs> of your head. Judd asked the question. He said, yeah. "I'm gonna go home and have a vodka the size of your head." And that is a big melon, too, <laughs> by is, the way. It is. Uh, I we, like chili. I don't care what the rest of you jackasses thought. I never. I, I was. I was never bugged by him too much. I, I like chili. I'll never forget speaking to Judd's head when John Randall filled in and called him Eddie Munster. Eddie Munster. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Tonight on this station, the college football national championship game, Georgia and Alabama. Pre-game at 5.30, kickoff right around 7.15. Uh, by the way, the average ticket sold on the most frequented resale sites right now is over 2300 bucks. Wow. 23.19 on StubHub and 24.13 on Vivid Seats. Wow. Cavaliers, as you just heard, in town tonight for a game against the Timberwolves. Wild are off tonight. Uh, they play tomorrow night, and they have uh, some folks with the flu, including Miko Koivu. Miko could miss tomorrow night's game against Calgary at the Excel Energy Center. Did you see Bruce's quote after the Colorado game? Uh-oh. He said that uh, uh, that he, <laughs> he put them all in the same category of being terrible. So everybody, everybody, Uh-oh. he was not happy. Well, Colorado's I, awful, aren't they? Really... Well, not as bad as they were. They got some young okay. guys who can score goals. Hmm. And there's a new number one team in college hockey. Notre Dame taking over the number one spot. Moved ahead of St. Cloud State after well, That's the... what happens when you get shut out by the Gophers. That's right. Uh, St. Cloud split with the Gophers. Uh, St. Cloud State now number two. And the Gophers moved up one spot from number 10 to number nine. With Where are my Mavs, wins. John? Your Mavs are, I believe, seven, six oh, or Mavs seven. Mavs are good. Yeah. yeah. Mavs are good. We Somewhere. reload, Pat. That's what we do. That's right. <laughs> All right, Johnny. Thank you. You bet. Rob Demosky covers the Packers for ESPN.com. Today they announced that Bryant, well, they, uh, actually it came out last night, but today they had the press conference with uh, Brian Gutekunst to uh, be the new GM. And, of course, his father, John, was the Gopher uh, football coach from 1986 through 1991. They had the three young uh, executives over there. How did Brian end up uh, winning uh, out as, to be the GM, Ron? Well, I will say this first, Patrick. You uh, pronounced his name better than President Mark Murphy, who did the hiring, did. So, okay. Uh, what did he granted, call him? Well, he called him, like, Gudikins or something. I don't know. But obviously, having covered his father, I'm sure you had to write that name and say that name many times. But it came down to this. First of all, he had more experience and a more variety of experience than the young Elliot Wolf, and they ultimately decided wisely to go with a talent evaluator rather than a salary cap manager in in Russ Ball. Yes, and they had already they had already let Alonzo Highsmith go to Cleveland with John Dorsey, and now the issue is whether they keep Elliot Wolf here or if Elliot goes to uh, Cleveland and joins Dorsey. Uh, Gutekunst would like him as his right-hand man, but I don't know if you saw what uh, the uh, venerable Ron Wolf said to me last night. Sure doesn't sound like the Wolf family is too keen on uh, staying in Green Bay. Okay. Well, uh, so this would be quite the uh, change at the top over there. Was the fact that we are, of course, our guy uh, Seifert immediately had fun with the triangle of authority because yep. we had that over in Minnesota. Yep. And a ball reports to 
uh, Gutekunst reports to uh, Murphy, that uh, the yeah, team president. Ball reports coach. and McCarthy reports. To yeah, him, so. it's the first time in at least 25 years, if not more, that the general manager does not have the authority over the head coach. Now, had they gotten a guy like John Schneider, who was on their target list, and sure. Seattle wouldn't let go, I have to believe that he would have had the authority over the head coach. But it, it came down to this, and I found this really interesting. Mark Murphy basically said that the reason they wanted everybody under him was because they just had so many breakdowns in communication within the football department over the last couple of years. And what that I took that to mean is that the reclusive Ted Thompson mm-hmm. just sat in his corner office and just did, didn't communicate with the coaching staff and, and didn't give the coach the players that, that he wanted. And, and that's where this thing all fell apart. They, they ended up 7-9, and nine, not just because Aaron Rodgers got hurt, but because when he got hurt, there were so many holes on this roster, and, and, and Ted and Russ Ball were basically running the roster, that uh, the coach was left with nothing to uh, – with no chance, really. Uh, Ted, uh, just uh, – I, I was going to ask you if this was a reflection that they felt that uh, they had given Ted way too much power. Well, it, it's not that they had given him too much power because as any general manager should have had that. It's that Ted's ability to exercise that power and, and do the job, quite frankly, had declined. And, and look, everybody knows Ted is, is aged. And Ted has cut back his schedule, and Ted's health isn't you know what it used to be. Uh, you know the question is how, why did they let it go on this long? I mean they probably should have have made this move uh, you know at least a year ago. But heck, they were coming off an NFC Championship appearance a year ago, and it, it's hard to justify those kinds of changes. But if Mark Murphy truly said he began to notice uh, the breakdowns between the the personnel side, the coaching side. Uh, you know, developing over the last year or so, then, then this is the move that should have been made uh, a while ago. Are uh, McCarthy and uh, Gutekunst going to get along fine? It seems that way. Um, although I do, it, just, it, it is interesting, though, that he doesn't have the authority to, to hire and fire him. So, um, you know, that relationship is, is obviously critical. You remember when they stripped Mike Sherman of the general manager job yes. and brought in Ted Thompson? They, they, that was a toxic relationship. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it never had a chance because Sherman's ego, uh, having been the general manager and not had it taken away, he just never could have could recover from that. You know, uh, McCarthy never had it, so it's not like he's lost anything. And look, we all know his his frustration over Ted's lack of uh, of action in free agency. So. You would think that you know Gutekunst is, is going to be more active in free agency, and 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 that should appease the coach. What uh, is Brian a quiet guy? He is. You know, it's funny. Like I talked to a couple people last night who said, you know, he's not one of those guys who throws his name out there a lot. You don't hear a lot about him, um, but he's he's really solid. Uh, an agent uh, said to me. You know, he, everybody around the league says he's the next John Schneider. Uh, you know, uh, a guy who played small-time college football. Schneider played over there in, uh, yep. I think, St. Saint, Saint Thomas. St. Thomas, over, right. Yeah. yeah. When and, they were and bad. Dude, <laughs> yeah. And Coons played at lacrosse. Um, you know, not, not guys with big names. I mean, Alonzo Highsmith was a first-round pick. Elliot Wolf's got the Wolf name. You know, he's just he's not one of those guys that a lot of people, you know, that, that a lot of people know about, but around the league he's respected as a, as a diligent, get-the-job-done kind of a guy, and, and that's exactly what Schneider was. And, and, you know, 
Schneider, when he got to Seattle, I mean, they, they really, they, they kicked that thing. And I think they set like the record for the most transactions in the first year, like 500 different roster transactions or some crazy thing like that. So I don't know that they need that kind of overall here, but there's definitely areas, especially on defense, uh, Patrick, where we've been talking for years now that they've been, you know, they've been short and, and that's got to be addressed. And, uh, uh, of course, but Schneider's uh, much more of an ex. Is, is I don't know him much more, but he's an extroverted guy. He's known as a, you yeah, know, kind of a dynamic, plays, plays yeah, crazy music in the staff yeah. meetings, and he's, 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 uh, the Gutekunst kid's a little quieter than that. Yeah, I, th- I think so. He's not, you know, like I remember Schneider at his uh, opening press conference when he got hired, he called some reporter brother. Like, hey, we don't talk about those things, brother. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think Gutekunst. Well, Gutekunst didn't do that. I can tell you that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're a little different. But, but like Gutekunst might be, you know, the best of all these different former Packers people combined. I mean, from Ron Wolf who hired him to to Dorsey who who he worked with to Schneider to Reggie McKenzie. And Scott McLuhan, even. I mean, like, you know, and Ted's still going to be down the hall. So he's some combination of, of all these guys, which, uh, you know, probably isn't a bad thing to be. No, it's, uh, it is interesting that uh, they're going to, Ted, uh, Ted is a consultant that they're out, that, they're going to actually ask to consult, so he's going to be uh, hanging around. Huh? My don't we know? Is, yeah, my guess is Ted's going to sit in his office, watch tape, write and write up reports on players. The question is, will anybody read them? That, that yeah. I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, Aaron Rodgers has probably got to be happy that uh, maybe something will be done to uh, increase yeah. the options I, for him. Yeah, I think everybody on the football side was happy that they got a football evaluator, not a finance guy. So uh, Russ Ball is basically their Rob Brzezinski. Uh, yep. If they would have named him the GM, is exactly. is is he going to take being uh, the other guy uh, well, or don't we? Well, know? you know, certainly he wanted the job. He was one of only four guys that they interviewed for it. But um, I know this: they gave him a nice raise and a and a and a, and a, a title. His duties are still the same, but uh, you know, guys like him, you know, there's just not a lot of teams that are willing to go the general manager route with a salary cap guy. So, um, you know, he's 58 years old. This was probably his only shot to be a GM, but he is very good at his job. I mean, you think about the Packers. When's the last time, A, they were in uh, salary cap hell, or B, did a bad contract? I mean, it's it's been a long, long time. Well, they just gave Devontae Adams a bunch of money. They got in money. Uh, how much do they have tied up in receivers, and how much can they get out of that? I mean, Ooh, well, are they going to let got, Jordy go, or what are they yeah, going to do? They've got three receivers that are ten plus million a year. Um, it's a lot, but I still think there might be room for all three of those guys. Chances are, you know, either Cobb or Nelson will be gone. Uh, Jordy sure looked old late in the year. Um, you know, you wondered whether it was just the quarterback change, but even in that game that Rodgers came back in Carolina, you know, he really couldn't get going. Um, so, you know, the, the smart money says that they'll, they'll, they'll dump Nelson and his 10 points, I think it's 10.5 million next year. And they can wipe a good chunk of that off their salary cap. But, you know, Randall Cobb's an old 27, if that makes any sense. He's, he, he's, he came in, played a lot right away as a 20 year old rookie, um, hasn't really had the uh, the effectiveness that he did a couple of years ago when him and Nelson were both 90-plus catch guys. So, uh, you know, it's clear Adams is their number one, and I'm not sure who their number two is right now. 
And they got to look to the West and see this team here uh, defensively is built for the long haul that they're going to no be doubt. competing with the Vikings here. So, Yeah, and it's interesting, finally. You know, you don't hear a lot of times around Green Bay the Packers acknowledging that they've fallen behind anybody, let alone the Vikings. But Murphy has mentioned that a couple times since the end of the season that, you know, uh, look, they, they have definitely fallen behind in Minnesota, which is something that you know how hard it is for them to admit, um, and and, and there, you could argue even you know that the, that the Lions might be, you know their roster might be a little deeper uh, than Green Bay's right now. So they've got a lot of work to do. Gutekunst is going to have to use free agency and the draft to to do it, and McCarthy's going to have to make the right defensive coordinator hire, which is basically the last big thing left to get done. All right. Hey, thanks, Robbie. All right, you got it, Patrick. All right, Rob Demosky covers the uh, Packers next door, and they've hired Brian Gutekunst, yes, the son of John Gutekunst, to be their new GM and uh, moved old Ted uh, to a consulting job. Uh, And this was, I guess, a direct reflection of Ted, the fact that they came up with this triangle of authority, which we remember well for its failure here in Minnesota. We'll be back. Did you fellas slip over to watch the, no, you obviously didn't, Reavers, but uh, maybe Manny did, to watch the golf from beautiful Hawaii No. Uh, on uh, Sunday. They were at the what we used to call the tournament champions there at Kapalua, the, uh, on top of the hill at Maui. Dustin Johnson, there's this one a four, a par four, which is 433 yards, but it's downhill. You know, it's way downhill. It's a very hilly golf course. Almost knocked it in six inches short on a 433-yard hole yesterday. Holy cow. It was was looking like it was going to get there. That would have been uh, probably the longest uh, hole-in-one in the history of the PGA Tour. Uh, Dustin Johnson ended up winning it by eight strokes to kick off his year. Well, it's so. about time something finally went right for Dustin Johnson. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> he still hasn't married that girl, what? I don't think. Maybe that's the secret to their success. I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I think she runs. He's, he's got that vacant look of a guy who just does what his wife tells him to do and goes out makes millions of dollars that's a very very smart guy <laughs> he ain't going to jacksonville to hang out with a bunch of drunks <laughs> and leave the wife and kids at home he's taking them to Kapalu and bringing home a check for a million bucks by the that's way she texted doing. me she said god i love Royce." <laughs> <laughs> well i'm only uh speaking the truth here hi this is chris howard host of plugged in with chris howard the college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. 
And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.